0: But what is happiness? It's a moment before you need more happiness. I won't settle for 50% of anything. I want 100%. You're happy with your agency, you're not happy with anything. You don't want most of it. You want to embrace the void.
1: Warning. This podcast contains foul language, dark invocations and treating women like their people. episode 48 of embrace the void where we are gonna void pill some normies i am your host aaron and with me as always my pusher co-host in chief gw how you doing buddy i don't even know what that means which one like void pill pusher P- like yeah you're pushing the void am- pills right where we oh, uh oh i see help people realize that they're living in the void and yet at the same time i see to reduce suffering a little bit i i i understand now I'm stealing I'm this from Jeremiah Traeger along with several other pieces of this episode. You're not supposed to credit him for it. That's not how you, that's not how it's done. Oh, son. I'm going to dox him as many times as possible. Oh, that's that right. Yeah. Um. So today we are going to get back to our roots a little bit and talk about another one of our um various philosophies that I find to be really helpful uh, engaging with and dealing with the void. Um, something that has been a part of my understanding of things since I was very young, Um, and we used to read it around the breakfast table. Um, So we're going to look at Taoism and the Tao Te Ching some. For this topic, there is really sort of two parts that go together. There's a piece of the Taoism stuff that is very sort of metaphysical in nature and talks about sort of claims about the nature of reality and how things work that I take on as a a metaphorical model not necessarily as a literal model i think they are useful ways of describing certain relationships between different pieces of the world that may or may not actually exist physically or something um and then there is a lot of useful talk about ethics so um i guess maybe we should say just a tiny bit first about where this comes from in the traditions because i'm assuming it comes from
0: jeremiah traeger as well
1: yes yes jeremiah traeger the writer of the Tao Te ching mm-hmm. um so Taoism is one of the main chinese wisdom traditions slash religions uh it arises in the fourth century bce or thereabouts i like to think i mean i think the main intro way to understand this is it arises as a reaction to uh confucianism so we haven't talked about confucianism very much but it's um a tradition that has to do with setting up rules and social structure and norms and playing out of rituals with the belief that the right arrangement of rules and norms and rituals will create a harmonious and ordered universe as well as society that will bring about prosperity okay so you get this these very sort of artificial uh highly structured social systems that are seen as a way to maintain a kind of metaphysical um, good structure of the universe. So people stop doing the rituals, the structure breaks down, you get earthquakes and terrible things happening. Um, Taoism is a tradition that rejects a lot of that idea of structured ritual as a way to achieve virtue or quality, uh, and instead recommends a return to a kind of naturalness. Where you uh try to force things less, where you try to be less overbearing in how you engage with the world and in turn are more accepting of the current state of reality. So this is where uh, I personally draw a lot drew a lot of my understanding of acceptance and uh, other topics that we've we've touched on here repeatedly. Yeah, so it sounds like it is. Almost like
0: a Vulcan kind of, like, move to logic and and seeing things as they are and less on a, like, supernatural kind of a thing.
1: Yeah, and there is a religion of Taoism that arises out of this tradition that I'm not especially expert or familiar with that involves more, um, you know, what we might think of as magical religious kinds of thinking. Uh, but. The philosophy itself is actually, in a lot of ways, very similar to the Buddhist stuff that we've already talked about. And when Buddhism came over from India, uh, it meshed very neatly with the Taoist traditions. And uh, they actually, t- you know, in coming together, they influenced each other and they also led to the creation of things like Zen Buddhism, which is a so blending they, of these. They dated for a bit and had a yeah. little kid. and Yeah, yeah pretty much. Um And the impact of these sort of ideas is very, very sort of substantial throughout all of the traditions in the East. They really, even uh, groups that don't necessarily believe these were often um, considering or responding to critiques from Taoists and Confucians. Um, Sorry, um, Taoists and and Buddhists, rather. Uh, So I thought maybe we'd start a little bit with the metaphysics and just sort of understand how they kind of see the world. And then from there, we can move into the talk of the virtues and what it means to be a Taoist sage, which is their term for someone who acts according to the Tao properly.
0: Uh, I'm going to ask a question purely, not that I don't know. I clearly know these things, but uh you know, for other people that might not, could we just give me a like definition of metaphysics?
1: Sure. I'm feel just it's using thrown a around
0: of, a lot. And Yeah. And, yeah.
1: You yeah, know, I'm just kind of using it casually here to mean a uh, a framework or a systemic, a, a structured account of how the universe works. Questions about the nature of reality, of substance, where we come from, all of these kinds of questions, things that shade into questions of physics, but might go beyond the mere study of physics into further questions like, is there a purpose to the universe?
0: So, so you could say something like. Physics would be the study of gravity, while metaphysics would be why gravity exists.
1: Yeah, or if there is a why for for the gravity mm-hmm. or something, right? Mm-hmm. Those kind of questions. Much like metaethics is what is the nature of ethical theories, whereas the normative ethical theories are like, here's how you don't do the wrong thing or do the right thing. Hot claims, right? Right, exactly. Um, So... So I want to start with a couple of chapters, and I'm gonna I'm just gonna read directly from one of my favorite books of all time, the Tao Te Ching. This is a translation by um, Yi Fu Fang and Jane English. It's a really beautiful translation, and if anyone's looking for a copy of the Tao to pick up and read, I really recommend buying it. It's a large white book with these wonderful pictures um, of pastoral settings and various things on the opposite sides of the translations, and they just do a really great job, I think translating the ideas in a way that can be accessible. Um, So, I actually want to start with the very first chapter. So this is um, pretty famous. Um, The Tao that can be told is not the eternal Tao. The name that can be named is not the eternal name. The nameless is the beginning of heaven and earth. The named is the mother of ten thousand things. Ever desireless, one can see the mystery. Ever desiring, one can see the manifestations. These two spring from the same source, but differ in name. This appears as darkness, darkness within darkness, the gate to all mystery. So this is the original text of the tradition. It's uh, in theory written by a guy named Lao Tzu, um, who may or may not be multiple people cobbled together. The name just means wise master. Um, and it's then sort of unpacked a bunch, but it often takes the form of these sort of short poetic stanzas. Um, so so this original one, I think, this, this original chapter is probably not easily accessible for someone who isn't already sort of familiar with what's going on. Right? Yeah, but, I have no idea what that passage meant. Right, I'm sitting exactly. here like... Uh... Yeah, exactly. Right? Which is why I'm I'm going to read it initially, and then we're going to talk about it some and we're going to come back around to these sorts of ideas eventually. But... Yeah, you're, clearly you're not saying anything right, because it's all complicated. It is very, very complicated. No. Um, so what we're talking about here... Let me just sort of describe how they see the world. Right? So the word Tao, which means... is translated as way, as in like a pathway. So it's the way of the universe. It's the... The best metaphor that I find is to think of it like the Tao is a giant flowing stream and the whole universe is contained in the flow of this stream, then it's all moving downhill. Um <laughs> Right, in all ways. Um, and they actually talk about that some. So uh the Tao though, the word Tao is just a placeholder because they believe that the actual thing, this You know, it's not even necessarily a thing to describe it as a thing is is a reification mistake in itself. This unknowable, fully separable from our uh, concrete existence, which we're going to refer to as the Tao, is the underlying source of everything. Right? It's it's one one way to describe it is like a pantheistic substance. It's the the everything is made of Tao. We're all floating through the Tao, basically and there's um there's either sort of going along with that flow or resisting that flow
0: okay and i'm just curious you know do you get Tao with the sickness or yeah
1: you get up and then you get dow with the sickness uh it hurts to laugh so so they start off with this unity right it's like it, maybe it's a singularity. I like. I don't worry too much about the metaphysic, like the the real nature of the Tao. I think that there's a a, a, sm- a smart move that they make to say that this is something to use in your way of thinking, but not um, think of as a real concrete entity that you have to understand its actual features of. It is uh, functionally unknowable to us because all we can do is experience these manifestations. It seems like. Uh, so from the Tao emerges uh, the the yin and yang, which people have are familiar with, I think, a little bit in common culture. Um, though there's, I think, a lot of misconceptions about it, right? So yin and yang are these two forces that exist within the Tao, and they uh, yang represents the aggressive, uh, active force, and yin is the passive force. They're often identified as masculine and feminine. It was, we'll see, that's not uh, It's not the kind of distinction where women should be yin and men should be yang. It's, in fact, everyone should cultivate more yin because we're all overly yang. But they often think, describe it as feminine.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think most people think it's pronounced yang, right? Yin and yang. And right. It's, it's almost like you're saying encyclopedia.
1: Right. My southern friends will pronounce it yang, and I, I accept that, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> When I was out in Colorado, I had a friend who would definitely would go with Yang. Um, so, and then from the interaction of yin and yang in the Tao, you get what are called the 10,000 things, which is their words for all of the parts of reality that we experience, all the physical manifestations, the desires, the selves, everything, right? That's the ever changing 10,000 things. So, that's what they mean when they say. When you are desiring, you see the manifestations. When you are desireless, you see the mystery, which is the unknowable Tao. Uh, Because much like when we talked about with Buddhism, um, what we experience as reality is largely in their world constructed as um, needs and values generating a relationship between the self and the other. So the contact boundary is where... Uh, our need for something and the existence of whatever is out there come together to create our experience of a physical world that we can manipulate. Do the Taoists have a position on the self? Uh, they they take, I think, something similar to the Buddhist no self kinds of views, where the self is a manifestation of the Tao and so exists conventionally, but. Over attachment to the self as an ultimate thing is one of the causes of unnaturalness. So, for them, a lot of things are like, are you grasping after something and are you attached to it, or are you engaging in a way that isn't that kind of needy, um, gripping after whatever you are doing? So, um, so I, I start with this mostly to kind of give a sense of their sort of metaphysical view in relation to the Confucians who, like I said, were thought that a bunch of cultural order and holding onto things very tightly was actually the way. So they are presenting an alternative to that that then more importantly plays out in a lot of what I think are much more understandable and valuable chapters on Taoist virtue. So We've talked about virtue some before on the show, and it means a very similar thing here, the ability to engage with the universe Well, through um, various kinds of ideas like flexibility. Um, So, one metaphor that they often use, and we'll see it in this chapter, is is water. That the goal is to be like water. So, uh, this is chapter. Didn't Bruce Lee say something like that? Yeah, Bruce Lee certainly. I think.
0: Um, Yeah, yeah. he he has some famous quote. He says to be like water.
1: Yeah, definitely. There's a wonderful in um, his last movie, A Game of Death. He gives a really great. Uh, monologue against a Kali stick fighter and Kali stick fighting is very structured, a lot of um, Katas uh, and he picks up a bamboo rod, which is very flexible and sort of light. And he makes a whole explanation about how his Jeet Kune do style of martial arts is superior to all the other styles because it is pure flexibility. So like the reed, he can bend and do whatever needs to be done in, at that particular moment. Uh, so this is chapter eight. Uh, The highest good is like water. Water gives life to the 10,000 things and does not strive. It flows in places men reject, and so is like the Tao. In dwelling, be close to the land. In meditation, go deep in the heart. In dealing with others, be gentle and kind. In speech, be true. In ruling, be just. In business, be competent. In action, watch the timing. No fight, no blame. So that one's Hmm. a little bit more, I think, accessible, right?
0: Yeah. I like that last one, no fight, no blame.
1: Yeah, that's a big one for them, is letting go of uh, attachment to unfairnesses or um, conflict. Um, Doing the right thing and not demanding credit for it is a big reoccurring theme within these. They're often structured in these cool sort of two-part kinds of ways where it's like, here's a thought about, you know, the nature of virtue in the abstract. Be like water. And then here's how that plays out in a bunch of different situations. Action versus stillness, etc. And I like that it says, in action, watch the timing. That's a big key theme for them throughout these chapters, is that it's not that you never act. There are some traditions where you just sit and meditate and meditate and meditate to try to Disattached from reality entirely. I think my, my understanding of Taoism, lived Taoism in the world for me, is you only act when it's really necessary and you be very aware that you as a human being are very attached to the idea of action. Whenever you see a problem, it's your natural instinct to reach out and try to shift it or change it and fix it in some kind of way. But sometimes it's better to pause and breathe try to understand the situation properly, and then if there is really a need for action, do it in the most minimal way possible so that it goes with the flow. Right? So these Down are the not <laughs> unheard of ideas. I just think that they they bring a lot of them together really beautifully in some of these chapters. Um, Here's the re- the very next chapter. Actually, this is nine. This is one that is stuck in my head forever. We read it so many times. Um, Better stop short than fill to the brim. Oversharpen the blade, and the edge will soon blunt. Amass a store of gold and jade, and no one can protect it. Claim wealth and title, and disaster will follow. Retire when the work is done. This is the way of heaven.
0: Sounds like it's talking a lot about like going too far. Mm-hmm. Like knowing knowing where the limit is, and it's better to stop short of the limit than to exceed it.
1: Right exactly that there's it's,
0: yeah go ahead it's almost like that like any you know i i'm not someone who really does drugs i think i've done pot like twice ever uh and once was with you um uh, but i also don't think like it should be something that's outlawed cuz i think like ultimately anything in um moderation is fine anything in excess can be problematic doesn't matter what it is right you drink too much water that will be there will be a problem, Mm -hmm. right? Uh, It sounds a lot like that sort of idea.
1: Absolutely. And the thing that they're worried about, the drug is young, that that aggressiveness. They think that reasonably, that human beings, I think, push too hard. We're evolved to push our way into the world and force ourselves on it. And it's effective in some kinds of ways, right? It's really effective if you want to dominate all the species around you and build an empire and conquer the stars to be very young. But it also makes human beings unhappy. On a personal, individual level, I think, we're always striving and striving and striving, and we we break down. We feel miserable by the end of it. And that there is a way to be productive and healthy and flourish and engage with the world and build things, but not be that overly young self. And so, A lot of their arguments, while they might seem like they're saying never do anything, what they're really saying is apply a corrective to your nature and do a lot less. Just pull it back and notice that even when you do a lot less, everything still gets done. Everything that needs to get done still gets done.
0: Uh, I used to have a problem where I would say yes to everything, Mm -hmm. and I recognized how because I was if I would say yes to too many things, I wouldn't do all of those things well. Mm-hmm. and I had to learn how to sometimes say no, not." And it was difficult at first because you know, I want to be perceived as someone who gets things done, who, you know, when you ask me to do things, I can I can do it and do it well. And what it was resulting in, which I didn't realize, was because I couldn't do everything good enough, it was like, oh, this guy. Either doesn't know how to time manage, or you know isn't good at anything.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so I had to find ways to say no because, like, I'm saying no to this because if I say yes to it, it means these other things will suffer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That that balancing is is key. Uh, holding back. Um, there's a wonderful chapter number twenty nine right uh, there. And these are these are hard pills to swallow. Some of these, I think. We can avoid pills, like, um, what color are those pills? <laughs> black, like my soul. Um, oh, I thought wasn't black pilling a thing. And maybe and you're right. It is everything we should go with. Um, I've been trying to figure out a color. Mm. Can we do purple? I really like purple. Purple's a, to color. It's That's, regal. It is <laughs> <It's> regal. <laughs> um, so this is 29. Uh, do you think you can take the, oh, sorry, let me start that over. Uh, So this is 29. Do you think you can take over the universe and improve it? I do not believe it can be done. The universe is sacred. You cannot improve it. If you try to change it, you will ruin it. If you try to hold it, you will lose it. So sometimes things are ahead and sometimes they are behind. Sometimes breathing is hard. Sometimes it comes easy. Sometimes there is strength and sometimes weakness. Sometimes one is up and sometimes down. Therefore, the sage avoids extremes, excesses, and complacency.
0: At the beginning there, I thought you were reciting a Dr. Seuss book. <laughs> I was expecting
1: it to rhyme a bunch all of a sudden. They they do feel like the kind of Seussian dialectic sometimes, don't they?
0: Seussian. <laughs> That's funny. Um,
1: but I love that idea. Like, do you think you can take over the universe and improve it? There is this belief that like, especially I think amongst liberals amongst progressives that we can somehow fix it right that it's bad and yet if we apply enough force hard enough in just the right way we can fix it and I'm sympathetic and I think the Taoists are sympathetic too they want people to make lives better for other people they just want us to be very realistic about when you force things it doesn't usually go well and like, I mean,
0: are are they trying to like make lives better, like great again? Or yeah,
1: exactly. Um, can't help it. You just keep setting me up. Oh, I know. I love the like. Sometimes breathing is easy. Sometimes it comes hard. Mm-hmm. That to me is a really great mantra that goes along with the. uh, This is me breathing from Gross Point Blank. Mm-hmm. That's a way to accept, um, you know, everything. Everything. Sometimes you just do a lot of accepting. Um, and that's where the yin stuff comes in. The, the emptying stuff. Uh, here's another. Does it say anything about it going too far in the other direction then? About being too passive? Yeah. Um, A little bit. Um, it's mostly like it reminds you that when you strip away the excessive yang, things get done in a healthy, functional kind of way. There's that sort of constant reminder of uh, the common phrase is nothing is done, yet nothing is left undone. Sort of that weird Buddhist paradox sort of stuff as well. Um, So here's another one I like. Uh, This is chapter 11. 30 spokes share the wheels hub. It is the center hole that makes it useful. Shape clay into a vessel. It is the space within that makes it useful. Cut doors and windows for a room. It is the holes which make it useful. Therefore, profit comes from what is there. Usefulness comes from what is not there. That's fascinating. Isn't that a really interesting—so the yin, right, so it's it's emphasizing that what we think of as not existing, the yin part, is really the, sometimes the most important part of what is there. If you think of your sound stuff, for example, right, the the negative space is just as much essential to what's going on as the positive space.
0: That's awesome. I love that. Right? My favorite thing so far.
1: <laughs> We're crushing it now. Um, let's see. I'm going to find some other ones that I really love. Here's another heart, uh, another void pill for everybody. This is chapter 13. Uh, I just love the, they they use the sort of short, sharp shock language that I find really valuable. Sometimes in these traditions, they say something blunt at the beginning like this, "Accept disgrace willingly. Accept misfortune as the human condition. What do you mean by accept disgrace willingly? Accept being unimportant. Do not be concerned with loss or gain. This is called accepting disgrace willingly. What do you mean by accept misfortune as the human condition? Misfortune comes from having a body. Without a body, how could there be misfortune? Surrender yourself humbly. Then you can truly care for all things. Love the world as your own self. Then you can truly care for all things.
0: I feel like everyone in our generation needs to hear that.
1: <laughs> it's really great, right? I love the accept disgrace willingly stuff. It's just so that's, that's what we meant by acceptance in our what second episode when we just got this thing started. Like these are the, the the texts that I am drawing from when I say, and um, it, it always ties in with me as, as a, uh, in one of the passages, it says the Tao abides in non-action, which pairs up with um, Big Lebowski for me. Right, the Dude abides in non-action.
0: If I, when I, eventually- we haven't talked about Dudeism in a long time. Yeah, and
1: Dudeism is basically just Taoism with with more drugs and more cursing, and, and rugs and rugs. Uh, and eventually, I will get a tattoo that says "abide" on it because I think that is the thing for me eventually. <laughs> we'll, we'll do it as a Patreon goal. <laughs> Aaron gets a tattoo
0: I think your tattoo should just say Jeremiah Traeger <laughs> or maybe just his face
1: oh my god on your chest <laughs> um so all of this translates into a bunch of um statements about how to be a good person what they would call a a, a sage a Taoist sage someone who is virtuous and again we meant I mean it in the same sense they they literally have a word that means virtue so uh uh, it's um, Tei, I think, is virtue. So Dao is Wei and Tei is virtue. So uh, you get a lot of passages like this. And the the book is sort of, the Tao De Ching is roughly divided at half and half into a section on the Dao and a section on um, Uh So here's chapter 24. Uh, he who stands on tiptoe is not steady. He who strides cannot maintain the pace. He who makes a show is not enlightened. He who is self righteous is not respected. He who boasts achieves nothing. He who brags will not endure. According to followers of the Tao, those are extra food and unnecessary luggage. Therefore uh, they do not bring happiness. Therefore, followers of the Tao avoid them.
0: I never realized Trump was a
1: Taoist. It yeah. makes so much <laughs>
0: so much more sense now.
1: Oh god. <laughs> yes, he's the in every way the opposite of what we care about in this tradition. Um but I just love that it's they're very simple ideas about ways of being a lot of the time but they tie in naturally with this view of the universe as uh, this stream that you can either resist against and push back on or you can go along with and and find ways to be helpful to others while still being caught up in the same current. See, this just
0: sounds so much better than some other religions that will go unnamed, where they say things in their book, like, "Oh, I don't know, uh, a man, a woman shall not serve authority over a man."
1: Hmm. Yeah, there's not a that's lot. First Timothy two
0: twelve for anyone that's curious.
1: This one's all just like, um, you know, I have mixed feelings about the use of the masculine and feminine in this. Um, it's understandable where they're coming from with it. I think. I I don't ultimately like it because I don't want to ever give the impression that women are more yin by nature and men are more yang by nature or essential that way. I think that, um, men can just as much be the spirit of the Valley as women and vice versa. Um, but, but that is, you know, that's what you're working with here. Right. And you have all the tradition. I I think like I'm thinking back to our
0: episode with Ari, where we talked about Mm -hmm. the difference between masculine and feminine and men and women, Mm -hmm. uh, Or woman or woman. Um, And I think it's possible for things to be masculine and feminine and neither of them to be positive or negative in their essence.
1: Yeah, I just don't I don't know what the value ultimately is in talking about these things as masculine versus feminine. I think it's better to just talk about it as yin and yang as aggressive versus uh, passive um, and just leave the gender coded language out of it entirely. Ultimately. Call it sub and dom if you'd like. Sure, that I'm okay with. <laughs> I'm really on board with that. Actually, <laughs> top and bottom is fine. Whatever we want. Um, so let's see. Uh, so we've talked about Wu Wei some. Wu Wei is their term for for. It's sometimes referred to as non-action or action without attachment. Uh, attachment towards the goals usually. um So chapter forty-eight, for example, in the pursuit of learning, every day something is acquired. In the pursuit of Tao, every day something is dropped. Less and less is done until non-action is achieved. When nothing is done, nothing is left undone. The world is ruled by letting things take their course. It cannot be ruled by interfering.
0: That sounds like it could be taken to a not-good extreme, though.
1: Good, yes. So one of the concerns... <laughs> I did it! I <laughs> did the, the objection. thing! Congratulations. I'm so proud of you. What level am I at? You're doing really good. I'm- You're doing great on this show. You've been really... You were always smart, and everyone, we should stop playing that you were ever dumb. Um, (laughs) Well, I'm not dumb, I'm just ignorant. Right. So, yeah. So, one concern uh, that people raise towards Taoism is that it leads to a virtue of um, letting things be too much that leads to just kind of status quo. Right. So, the early Taoists, for example, were hermits who would go and live off in the woods and be unattached to everything. Um, and, and that doesn't lead to social progress, right? It doesn't lead to equality or things like that. And you can reasonably point out that equality involves pushing. It requires force. There are may, you know, It may be a bit of a privileged position to be able to say, I'm going to just let things be the way they are. That much like we talked about with some of the other traditions we've looked at, like Stoicism, that the, there might be a concern that this is used by people as a as a covert way to say i don't have to do anything because this is just the way it is and if i try to change anything it'll just break things
0: well i was actually i wasn't taking it into Mm -hmm. a like social political kind of stance Mm -hmm. i was even taking it to like i'm not going to drink this cup of water because that would in and of itself be an action
1: right right so the individual it seems also unlivable on a biological level up up through every other kind of level And Mm -hmm. that's why it's very important when we understand this, when we talk about non-action to understand it's not saying, in my opinion, it's not saying sit around and meditate until you starve to death. Would Taoists be antinatalists? Because
0: that's action. It's it's a lot of action. It could be fun action.
1: I don't think so, actually. I think the Taoists wouldn't be antinatalists necessarily, because they would say that Birth and life and death, all of these things are part of the cycles that we naturally go through, and resisting them, trying to force people to not do those things will lead to a lot more suffering than having them do them in ways that are in accordance with the Tao. So very often the idea is not don't act, it's act without forcing your assumptions about the way things need to be onto the Tao. Let the Tao drive the ship, basically.
0: So go on this, this, we're going to go on a canoe down this stream real quick. Mm-hmm. So if an existential crisis is one where someone sort of questions their place in the universe, uh, would be, would a Taoist uh, um, crisis be like, by doing this, would that be action or by not doing, it, is that action?
1: <laughs> uh...
0: <laughs> Do I drink the cup? But that's doing something. Well, if I don't drink the cup, I'm actively doing something. But if I do drink the cup because I don't want to drink the cup because I'm going to drink it the-
1: it's more about why you drink the cup right are you drinking the cup because you need to drown away your sorrows or something are you drinking the cup because it is uh because someone has forced it on you and you don't want to um uh make them feel uncomfortable and so you do it that way like these sorts I'm of
0: drinking things. the cup because this is America This is
1: America Uh (laughs) uh-huh so you drink that dr pepper yeah because this is america um it's a tricky sort of balancing it's much it's it's very similar i think as you pointed out to like the the greek ideas of the golden mean that the right action is the right amount of action between complete inaction and overbearing kind of forcing everything and I think we all can know. We all know people who are sort of overly forceful in the way they try to do things, overly young, trying to push everything, trying to push their conception of everything on the world, and that that often goes very poorly for them and everyone around them.
0: Sounds like you just described the uh, SJW.
1: Could potentially be an over overzealous SJW, mm-hmm. um, and, and it is. You know, like to be fair. When people raise concerns against the radical left or the left or whatever as social engineering kinds of people, what they are afraid of is you're going to force things on people that are so contrary to what they actually are that you're going to produce a lot of suffering by trying to make people pretend to be something else than what they are. So there is, through all these different traditions, I think, a dialectic between artificial cultural programming and when it is valuable and healthy and uh, sort of naturalness, but also a fear of uh naturalness being a, a naturalism fallacy, right that we are in some way reifying or essentializing something that seems natural to us when it's only just another level of conditioning. So it's very challenging, I think to to find that perfect balance and The Taoist's job is to always be sort of checking their preconceptions and seeing are they are they getting caught up on or hooked on one narrative that is causing them to uh, push against the current, basically. Um, So I wanted to drop in this chapter because it's probably one of the more famous from the book, and I think it's got it sort of ties together a lot of the things we've talked about here very beautifully and might have a little bit more impact now that we've talked through some of the ideas. So This is chapter 64. It's a bit of a long one. And so the story goes, speaking of, um, Lao Tzu was uh, just a guy who had all these ideas and was tired of living in the Confucian world and was basically wandering off into the desert to die, theoretically. Supposedly, the story goes, when a guy at the gate stops him and says, aren't you this wise person? Where are you going? Oh, that's terrible. Would you mind writing down all of your wisdom before you abandon the culture um and that's where the dao supposedly comes from it's the myth of the dao de ching so this is chapter 64 peace is easily maintained trouble is easily overcome before it starts the brittle is easily shattered the small is easily scattered deal with it before it happens see things in order or sorry set things in order before there is confusion a tree as great as a man's embrace springs from a small shoot. A terrace nine stories high begins with a pile of earth. A journey of a thousand miles starts under one's feet. He who acts defeats his own purpose. He who grasps loses. The sage does not act and so is not defeated. He does not grasp and therefore does not lose. People usually fail when they are on the verge of success. So give as much care to the end as to the beginning. Then there will be no failure. Therefore the sage seeks freedom from desire. He does not collect precious things. He learns not to hold on to ideas. He brings men back to what they have lost. He helps the ten thousand things find their own nature, but refrains from action. So it sounds like action almost is a synonym for like forcing something yeah you should always i think read it as aggressive action right it's always in this sort of context of trying to force things um and you see it in their political writings as well there are a couple of chapters that deal with how to do politics and it's a lot of what you'd imagine it's a lot of like don't be overbearing don't Tax people too much, like let the people kind of do their own thing, empty minds and fill bellies, like all that kind of the the one that Lib- governs least. Libertarianism, basically. Yeah, right. Yeah. Libertarian.
0: Yeah, that's what I was about to say.
1: <laughs> yeah. There's a little bit of libertarianism to it. And it's why, you know, like I don't consider myself a Taoist. Um, partly because that term usually only applies to the clergy within the Taoist tradition. Um, but also because I don't 100% agree with all of their prescriptions. I think that they have a lot of really good ideas and a lot of beautiful language for describing those ideas, but it should be put in tension with other competing virtues and values.
0: Well, maybe that's something we should get into. What are the parts that you sort of disagree with?
1: There's a little bit, I think, first of all, there's the naturalism fallacy stuff. I think I get a little worried that sometimes the Taoists think that just go to nature is a, a complete solution, where... I think the reality is we, we've done a lot by altering the world around us through society and through improving technology. And that I think insofar as they would resist that kind of social progress, I think that that's a bit Like GMOs or something like yeah, that? Yeah, exactly. Um, so there's a bit of concern there. There's a little bit of also like when they talk about um, when you try to learn and become wise... It just makes things worse. A lot of what they're saying there is when you try to engage in the kind of knowledge acquisition that the Confucians do where they create a bunch of rules and then force everyone to memorize those rules, that's a problematic fake version of knowledge, right? Making people jump through intellectual hoops is not helpful, but I think they sometimes go a little bit too far into the sit there and be what they call an unhewn block of wood, Right, just be <laughs> unshaped, be purely natural and unchanged. And I don't find that to always be a very livable kind of strategy. So I'm guessing they're anti-circumcision. <laughs> exactly. Right. They should you should go back to the part where you have the tip. <laughs> <laughs> um they have some other good stuff, I think, with like <clears throat> they talk about violence some, as you would imagine. So this is 68 and 69. Uh, A good soldier is not violent. A good fighter is not angry. A good winner is not vengeful. A good employer is humble. This is known as a virtue of not striving. This is known as the ability to deal with people. (laughs) This, since ancient times, has been known as the ultimate unity with heaven. So that not striving thing comes up a lot. And often in these sort of contexts where people would mistakenly assume like a good fighter is someone who strives a lot. The reality is a good fighter is someone who strives very, very little and strives exactly the right amount at the right moment. Uh, So this is the next chapter. There is a saying among soldiers. I dare not make the first move, but would rather play the guest. I dare not advance an inch, but would rather withdraw a foot. This is called marching without appearing to move, rolling up your sleeves without showing your arms, capturing the enemy without attacking, being armed without weapons. There is no greater catastrophe than underestimating the enemy. By underestimating the enemy, I almost lose what I value. Therefore, when the battle is joined, the underdog will win. Mm. Hmm. I love that playing the guest stuff. Uh, This comes up a lot when I argue. And for me, you know, argument and debate is just combat by a different form. Um, People often, I think love to run ahead and strive when they are trying to argue they love to run ahead and assert what they believe and be forceful about their claims where the socratic method is very much play the guest let the other person explain what they believe ask them questions about it until you get to a root problem right it's a very similar kind of strategy of not forcing but instead letting the thing play out and and the thing in turn plays out more naturally and to your advantage so the, um,
0: uh, the owner of Toyota years ago, I don't know if it's still the same person or not when they developed this idea, I think it was in the seventies, came up with this thing called the five whys mm-hmm. and it's anytime you have some problem like, Oh, this car that came off the lot, the doors don't work. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, and, and basically you can ask why five times and by the fifth time you'll get to the root cause of like what, what it was, mm-hmm. um, and it's this like it's a troubleshooting system essentially. It's interesting, and it sounds very Taoist. It sounds
1: like yeah, that's really cool. Um, so maybe just one more, just to wrap things up here, since I know we're running a little short on time. Even though it's just a construct. Uh, so this is
0: yeah. Are, are Yeah. Are you are you acting on on the amount of time left? Is that is that what you're doing? I'm,
1: Whenever I do podcasting, I'm always trying not to strive my way through it because I'm always looking mm. at that clock and I, I still want to try to get the things in, but I have to not mm. strive to get the things in because my voice gets very tight, right? So mm. I have to breathe, I have to keep breathing. So, 79. After a bitter quarrel, some resentment must remain. What can one do about it? Therefore, the sage keeps his half of the bargain, but does not exact his due. A man of virtue performs his part, but a man without virtue requires others to fulfill their obligation. The Tao of heaven is impartial. It stays with the good man all the time. I don't get it. I read it as in in a world where things aren't going to be perfect or the way they always should be or fair. Right? The world is just not going to be fair sometimes. There are two options. You can demand fairness every time, or you can accept that there isn't going to be fairness every single time, or maybe ever. Um, and again, you want to be careful, I think, that this doesn't slip into just sort of status quoism. Um, but I do think, in my own personal experiences, working with other individuals, living with other human beings, there is a lot of value in st- sticking to your own word, but understanding that other people aren't going to sometimes and letting that fact go. Um, I don't know, there's a a sort of very uh, modern common English version of this, right? If you give somebody $10 and you never see them again, it was worth the $10. (laughs) That's funny. It's something sort of like that, right? If you hold on to the attachment to things being fair and are upset that they are not, you will strive and struggle and be unhappy. If you accept. it also
0: sounds. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. It also sounds like what you're saying is strive for your own virtue and not for others.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's it's very similar to the skeptics kind of sorry the stoic stuff of like you can't control whether you win or lose the game. You can only control whether you play the best, most moral way that you can, and so do that. Focus on that, and that will bring about the best outcomes. You know. There's um, a whole second world to this uh, by uh, critics and analysis. The most famous being um, uh, Shuangzi. Probably getting that wrong. um, Who tells a bunch of sort of parables and things as ways to unpack these various ideas. Um, I'm not as familiar with those. I'm a a little bit familiar, but not as uh, well versed as I am with the the Dao De Ching, which we read a bunch when I was growing up. Um, but it might be fun to do a follow-up at some point and read some of those and see how they follow along with these these central themes that we've talked about. Um, but again, I think the value here isn't always here's your step-by-step solution to living in the world, but more here's a corrective to our natural habits. And if you think about these correctives and meditate on them and try to let them pop up during the moments in your day when you are acting unconscious that maybe they can tweak the behavior towards a more functional outcome yeah that sounds great yeah I'm with it you're down with it I like it so yeah I'm, send us I'm questions I guess about this and uh, corrections if you feel like I've misconveyed the central ideas of Taoism Um, and we'll see about maybe doing a Which
0: the act in and of itself of doing that wouldn't be Taoist,
1: Right. (laughs) (laughs) I kid. You kid. You always kid. Uh. Do. Is that what you think you are? A hero? Saved the world, didn't I? Once. Talk to me after you've done it a couple more times. Our hero of the week, uh, sent to us again by Jeremiah Traeger, who is just doxy-dox-doxed. Um a desert uh sorry it's a dessert shop uh, employee who protected a gay couple from a mob yelling slurs at them during the Utah Pride Festival. So for all those who want to tell me that Christianity is no longer abusive towards pride and gay people in this culture and that they're all of a sudden better than Islam I just want to remind you that like in Utah this guy what happened was um he runs a dessert shop and he was looking to close up when but when four scared looking men ran in who had been chased by seven other white dudes who were shouting anti-gay slurs. Um, so he let the people in and then ended up getting stuck outside uh, in front of the door where he got beat on by this group of people before bystanders were able to pull them off but this dude basically put himself between this angry mob and some very scared individuals. Um, and that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And, and what year did this happen? This was
0: oh this year. This this year. Right. This fucking year.
1: <laughs> oh, right. It's June 6th.
0: It reads like something that happened in the late 80s. Like that's what it reads as or something happened in the early 90s. Like when when everyone hated gay people, like it just it blows my mind that this was in salt lake city which is a really liberal area in this like in this time like i mean i know this shit happens all the time i'm not like surprised by it i'm just sort of like baffled
1: and they're looking for leads they've offered rewards there's no video of the incident terrence Mannery, which is the guy's name is a fucking hero that's impressive yeah seriously i think i think all of our uh fans of moral luck would uh i think there's when you when you do the moral luck stuff there's a little bit of extra chill to some of these things where you're like you have to be more honest with yourself about what you would have done in that situation and um you have to be more sort of hopeful right rather than certain that you would have put yourself in the right place yeah most people you know run and that's and there's nothing wrong with that Mm -hmm. right
0: uh uh it's few people that actually do these kinds of things. Um, and oftentimes it is sort of unconscious that they're doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. I wonder if um, having this these cultural formats now where people like this can get lots of attention increases the frequency, you know, sort of like a reverse bystander effect where it's like, uh, you know, you might not do something if... Uh, You're not going to get any credit for it, but somehow subconsciously, like the the fact that this might get broadcast across the world is making people engage more in these kinds. I don't know if, you know, I don't know if those sorts of things change behavior or not.
0: I think they do. Like I and and not just change behavior on the individual level, but also policies. Mm -hmm. I worked at a place, which I won't name, where we were told that if a patron, you know, passed out or something and needed CPR, That unless we were recognized by the company to be the CPR person, we were to not do it. Purely because of liability reasons, because in the past, sometimes, you know, bystanders have helped people or attempted to help people and didn't do it successfully and were sued after the fact, which is like absurd.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's frustrating. Whether or not we actually change people's behavior, hopefully we at least brighten people's day a little bit to know that there are people out there who do this and that they get positive attention for it. And that, um, hopefully these things continue to be, uh, increasingly scarce as we move forward. Yeah. The the thing
0: I hope isn't increasingly scarce is the sort of like restoring faith in humanity things. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I am a huge fan of, of stuff like that. Uh, and anytime I need like a moral, like, Shower. I'll, I'll watch like compilation videos of restoring faith in humanity videos.
1: Yeah, funny. I guess that's uh, yeah. That's it. That's it. We did it. Good job. All right. Well, thank we you all for thing. listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the the silences between the words that they are just as important as everything here. And uh, we will catch you all next week.
0: We would like to thank our new patron, Lake Beckman. We would also like to thank our top patrons. Jesse Rubinowitz, Dave Maslick, Abe, Corey Johnson, host of the Brainstorm podcast and the Hardcore Skeptic, Campquest.org, 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 Mr. Nobody, Chad Trait, and someone who recently upped their pledge, Cuisinart Hacky Sack. If you would like to become a patron, find us at patreon.com slash embrace the void. As always, remember, you are the void, and the void is you.